It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Hey everybody, this is Ears Up Podcast. Or didn't you know? Sorry if you were looking for the Tesla webcast. You got ears up instead. I don't know, man. What are you going to do? I don't, I don't know. I'll <laughs> go to something? the Tesla webcast, I guess. <laughs> we have a good show for you today, guys. We have Jeremy from Spectro Radio on the program, and it's his show today. We're going to be listening to Jeremy play us tunes and samples from the music of Mary Poppins. I'm very excited. Oh. I don't know, Taryn. Sorry, your microphone doesn't work. I don't know. I know. I wasn't here last week, but did I get fired? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, we just fixed the glitch. <laughs> the glitch was Taryn's microphone was working, and we fixed it. We fixed the yeah. glitch. I'm going to need you to go ahead and uh, move down to the basement. Nice, yeah, I, I was. Ex- I was. Excuse me. I was told that my microphone would be working. Hello? Yeah. Hello? You're right. Rude. So anyway, rude. Uh, yes, Jeremy from SpectralRadio.us playing us the music of Mary Poppins. So we're going to talk about that. Jeremy does a great job on these shows. And he specifically said it was too epic to do a normal 15 or 20 minute kind of thing. So he has the whole show. I love it. Uh, Me too, uh, because I didn't have to do any work. And then afterwards, (laughs) we are having Disney news. And there's a lot to talk about. It seems like every week there's tons of news coming out all the time. That's very important for us to talk. We don't talk about everything because mm-hmm. there's a lot of dumb stuff and stuff that either other people are covering, although obviously not as well, um, or you just don't need to know about it. Right. You can figure it on your own. But we have some good stuff to talk about. There's uh, new drinks happening. These, of course, there's news about Disney Plus, yeah. Disney streaming service. So we're going to talk a lot about that. There's more details about the shows and movies and stuff in development and all that kind of fun stuff. And then for you Patreon supporters, the secret show tonight at about 9, 15, 9, 30. And I'm trying to get our friend, former Imagineer Kyle on the program. Nice. Talk about. Oh, boy. Yes, because there was a big article out on um, another website. Uh, I think it's Rat Chat or something. Um, <laughs> that is like 100% rumor and conjecture. And the author contradicts himself i guess several times about okay. star wars land and how everything is working what, what's what is star wars land again oh you don't even i i can't tell you about it actually okay i've heard yeah. of galaxy's edge but I don't no know that's star wars that's land something is. completely no different. one knows what that is oh that's at universal okay. yeah yeah yeah, yeah right. right it's harry potter galaxy's <laughs> yeah. edge the edge of the harry potter galaxy okay which Perfect. is where jk rowling is sitting Kind of, I don't know. Um, anyway, so I don't know if we'll be able to uh, to get Kyle on. He's a very busy man, but he has a lot of opinions okay. on it. And um, yeah, fun. <laughs> it's a good time. Man. It'll be something. <laughs> uh, okay, but before we do all of that, this episode is sponsored by GetAwayToday.com, Disney's top wholesale partner. They will help you plan your Disneyland vacation with the best tips and secrets, all while making it affordable with their discount tickets, reduced hotel rates, and layaway plan. Head over to GetAwayToday.com slash ears up. And start planning your magical vacation. Tell them Ears Up sent you and use code Ears Up to save an extra 10 bucks on your SoCal vacation package. They're running a special right now. Um, I didn't look too much into it because I just got the email right before the show launched. Uh, there's like a, you save extra money on a package for Disneyland. Okay. I don't know. You cool. take it, take that information, go to ears, <laughs> getawaytoday.com slash Ears Up, figure it out. Uh, but they're the only people that are really running these deep discounts. So check them out. Nice. Cool. Um, let's see. 
Da, 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 da. Oh man, see this is the this is a weird. Uh, I got some weird copy here, everybody. But don't worry, I'll cut all this out. Find us on social media: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. Feedback on the show goes to Taryn at EarsUp-Podcast.com, although most of it just ends up coming through like the feedback widget on the, on the site, which is totally fine. You can do that too, whatever. But if you want direct contact with uh, my significant other, that goes to Taryn. Uh, you, what? I just feel like I'm more than a significant other at this point. You're more than significant? Yeah. What are you? I'm your wife. No. I think you stop calling it a significant other once you're married. <laughs> yes. I think so. It's probably true. Uh, <laughs> show suggestions or interview suggestions goes to Terrence at earsup-podcast.com or through the website. I don't care. You can say hi. Hi. To Bev. And anything else comes to me, Jason, at earsup-podcast.com. If you want to support the show, go over to etsy.com slash coveyors and buy some shirts. Yes. Also buy some coveyors if you want. But yes. more importantly, <laughs> well, no, buy coveyors. But less importantly, buy shirts. There buy you them go. both. Perfect. Buy everything. All you, of it. You got what you need. And then, of course, go to patreon.com slash earsup. Subscribe to this show. If you don't know about it, go over there. It'll fill. You'll fill in the blanks. It's fun. <laughs> I just we I go I go through the the same thing every show. Yeah. I'm sure okay. people are like oh skip. Well, skip. Don't forget this, it might be the first time for someone. That's true. That's true. If you do any kind of internet shopping, use our Amazon link on the homepage. And uh, let's let's just get Jeremy on. Jeremy, are do you? You don't want to do feedback first? Oh God bless. Or play him in. Well, look. Yes, let's do both of those. Jeremy, okay. hold on a second. <laughs> hold your box of wine <laughs> tight to your chest. Yes, exactly. Taryn, yeah. do we have any feedback today? Oh, funny you ask. Yes, yeah. we do. That's tight. Hey, ears up. Oh, this is from Tommy. Hey, ears up, crew. What up, Bev? Yo. <laughs> this is Beverly. I'm in the, the basement. Oh, it's it uh, got. I fell down the stairs. I dropped a, a, a wheel of brie, and I'm down here, and I can't get it. I can't get out. There's no stairs. This is the basement. I fell in. It's basically a trap. It's a hole. But okay, I have Bev. this wheel of brie. And warm soda. <laughs> okay, thanks, Bev. Cola, to be exact. <laughs> and I'm all right. But if you maybe can throw it on a blanket or something, you know I got this cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed the David Marley episode. Like JP, I'm not the biggest fan of the Jungle Cruise, but loved the behind-the-scenes glimpse of the day-to-day -day the skippers deal with. My favorite part was when he told stories of the pranks he and the other skippers played on other attractions. Need to have him on again soon, if anything, for more prank stories. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Tommy. Personal question. Yo. No. <laughs> the baby's going home. Okay. Well, Tommy. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you. First off, nobody I... really knows. Uh, I feel like uh, the the when two women, uh, two women or two men, <laughs> or a man and woman love each other, one of them sits on an egg, just an egg from the store. Okay. Wait, let's move on. Oh, okay. Uh, first off, I love the show. Which, which, when they're asking a personal question, it starts like that. I'm always like, oh. Okay. What do we do? But <laughs> Compliment sandwich. Um, yeah. but, but your opinions are trash. And let me yeah. explain in four easy steps. <laughs> been a fan for a little over a year now. I recently signed up as a Patreon supporter. Thank you. Thank you. I downloaded the app and was able to listen to the episodes for the first few days. For whatever reason, for the last week, it hasn't let me download or stream any of the past episodes. Huh. I'm an iPhone user and I'm more than willing to take the blame for the problem if it's on my end. I know you are not IT experts, but maybe I'm doing something wrong. 
Has any other members had this problem? If so, please direct me to the light. Anyways, keep up the good work. I just bookmarked your link through Amazon. Thank you again. Oh, wow. We'll do my best to support. That's what you do. Uh, Yeah, hey, Tommy, I appreciate that, dude. Um, I've never heard that. Neither have I. And we're not IT experts. We do know that Jeremy graduated with a degree in information (laughs) technology. If anybody can solve the problem, (laughs) it's Jeremy, Tommy. And let me tell you, his direct phone number is (laughs) 917 Two five. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. Nobody's ever written in. I didn't even know Patreon had an app, so this, that tells you how deep I go. Um, I can check the posts and make sure that it's not something on my end, which I'm totally willing to admit um, when I am wrong, which is very, very uh, rare. Yes. Oh, um, I didn't know that that had happened yet. That yeah. I was wrong? Yeah. He was trying to be humble. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Humble brags. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe try uh, rebooting your phone. I know when some people have problems streaming on Stitcher or iTunes or whatever, that's usually a good solution. Yeah. It's not just uninstall or reinstall, but just turn your phone off. Yeah. Hard reset. And turn it on and see what happens. Yeah. Reset the factory. <laughs> Re- yeah. factory reset your phone and yes. see if that helps uh-huh. well s- sometimes <laughs> if you don't if you don't use this is what i've heard if you don't use a certain function or a certain app uh it 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 just you don't have the pathways in the phone to access that anymore they kind of freeze up so you put it in the microwave mm-hmm. for four seconds just four seconds that's true and that's enough to kind of lose because sometimes the solder can kind of get in the way that's of the, true. yeah Sometimes with a fork on top of it as well, it helps. Oh man! You guys, we have kids that listen. It's to like this. an antenna in so. a tinfoil packet. In a tinfoil yeah. packet, it's like an antenna. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Children, do not do that. <laughs> Please don't do any of that. That was actually going around. You hear about that? No. There was a viral thing like that where someone said that works better than uh, using rice if you drop your oh, phone in water. Gosh. And there's videos of people who have done that, and they pull out their steaming iPhone. Like <gasps> what the crap? Like. There, there was there was a, a little bit on the internet. I think like six months of of people doing m- you know fake memes like that, just trying just so obvious, uh, so obvious faulty advice that right. nobody could ever fall for it. I, I saw one where uh, the secret to saving money on snow tires is to drill screws into your tires. Oh, bro. <laughs> and, no, and leave like a half inch screw sticking out, and that'll help you with the grip and. And people actually oh did God. it, but that's also how we got oh. people eating Tide Pods. That that's was true. just a joke, <laughs> and then now it's now people actually eat. <clears throat> anyway, the internet's great. I love it. Unravel the magic behind some of Disney's most beloved pieces of music. It's Spectro time. Jeremy. Incidentally, happen to know the New York City area code or what? No, did I get it right? Is, is it really? Yeah, well, it's one of them. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, I'm a savant like that. I know <laughs> the area codes. Also, if you give me a date in history, I can give you the uh, the the day of the week. Oh, what you're like, Mary Lou Henner? I, yes. What? Is it, well, <laughs> Who? Did, did I, she do that? I've always thought of myself as more of a Mary Lou Retton, but. <laughs> That's just me. You know, plucky, spunky. Mary Lou Henner? Who's She has that ability. She remembers everything. You could be like, what was, you know, November 8th, 1958? And she could be like, oh, it's a Wednesday. Yeah. I, you know what? People, people like that bother me. I don't. I don't really appreciate that skill set in, in, in a person. I don't think I've ever come up across that's someone a, like that. That's a skill? I don't know, man. That's what Jeremy just called it. So well, and she I, could say, "Well, I had eggs that day." 
it's like a crazy memory thing. It's, it's like, like the worst. That's the worst skill in the world. It to reminds have. me of what's the, what was that movie? Uh, was it called like no? It wasn't called superheroes, but it was like all the dumb superheroes. Oh, with like Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. With um, I want to say Bo Jackson, but it was obviously wasn't Bo Jackson. Yeah. It was um, what the guy who did Cable, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller was in it. I think it was his oh, movie. Oh yeah. Men of mystery, mystery men. Mystery men. Yeah, I like yeah. that movie. <laughs> Phoebe Herman was like live, like liver and onions man or something like that. That's what it. this would be. Yeah, I want to, I want to fight crime by telling you what I had for breakfast like bodily and functions. boring oh, you to death. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the show, Jeremy. Speaking of bored to death, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, you were, we were going to play a prank on everybody in the studio today. You were going to try to book a trip to Disneyland and then jaunt up here on the ears up jet. And surprise everybody, but we didn't make it work. Well, the ears of Jet broke down. <laughs> it really did mid I would have crapped myself. That would have been well, so awesome. So here, here was the thing, because Jeremy texts me. He goes, hey, I might be able to, to do this. I'm like, don't tell anybody. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to try to connect you on, on the Hangouts or whatever like we do, and then you'll be at the front door, oh and God. I'll just text you. And I'm like, I don't understand. Jeremy's supposed to be here, and then he would just come running in, or not running in, but doing backflips or whatever Jeremy does. I would totally start crying. Into the studio. The crazy thing right now is I feel like he's going to I know. Right now. I'm, I'm just like, so really, excited. I have like so much anxiety, like excite, excitement, but then I, I really don't think I'm it's going to so happen. I'm so excited. Well, he's not. The sad thing is, is like that probably today wasn't the only opportunity we could have done it, but now it, we can't do it. It's over. Oh, sure, oh, we can. That's true. No, we can do it. We like, can do it like, anytime. Because the next time that. You, we do that scenario. Mm-hmm. I'll tell we'll be at the door answering it. <laughs> well, no, I'll just leave it unlocked. You would just come in. Actually, okay. what, we'll what, to... what would happen? You would come a week earlier and spend time in the attic <laughs> <laughs> and keep you in the attic. What do you think? No, we'll keep him under the stairs because he's not a Harry Potter fan. So we'll show him. Oh, geez! Wow, yeah. we'll learn him. <laughs> Our own little Harry Potter. <laughs> no, I, pr- I totally would have cried. That would have been really exciting. That would have been so oh. exciting. That would have been good. Anyway, Jeremy, we're going to talk about the uh, music of Mary Poppins today, right? It's crazy. The informa- I thought I knew a lot about this, but you know, in the last few months that I've been researching this, there's a lot yeah. of crazy f- little fun facts. Oh, I think I- you might enjoy it. I love fun facts. Before we get to all the fun facts from uh, Mary Poppins, the 21st Amendment has been serving craft beer in the San Francisco Bay Area for 19 years. From their initial brew pub on 2nd Street, just two blocks from Giant Stadium in San Francisco, to their production brewery and tap room across the bay in San Leandro, the 21st Amendment is now available in 29 states, including in and around the parks. So next time you're in San Francisco, visit the brew pub and shoot over to neighboring San Leandro to check out the new production brewery and tap room for great beers, good food, and be sure to ask for the 21st Amendment wherever you find good craft beer. San Leandro. San Leandro. <laughs> Next time you're out, we when you come out, we're, we're going to go to the 21st Amendment. That's just how it's going to happen. That's going to happen yeah. for sure. Um, all right, let's talk Mary Poppins, my friend. <clears throat> Mary Poppins is counted by many Disney fans to be Walt's finest work. Yep. Uh, I think he even counted it as his finest work. <laughs> He was originally introduced to the Mary Poppins stories by his daughter, Diane. Diane Disney was a fan of the series of books by author P.L. Travers, who began publishing the books in the 1930s in London during the Great Depression. 
Walt was immediately enchanted by the books and saw their movie potential, trying several times over the course of the next 20 years to get the rights to make Mary Poppins into a movie. In 1960, Richard and Robert Sherman, the young songwriting brothers, were invited to the Disney studio to demo a song that Annette Funicello, Disney's then team phenomenon, was to perform in a film called The Horse Masters. The two impressed Walt in their initial meeting and were also assigned the work on Disney's famous early 60s live action film, The Parent Trap. It was long before the town ta- it wasn't long before the team the talented team was working on several productions at the Disney Studios. During one of those early meetings, Walt went to a bookshelf in his office, pulled out a tattered red book called Mary Poppins and asked the boys, as he referred to them, if they had ever heard of it. He gave it to them to read and soon they were coming up with ideas for music based on the book. The first song they wrote was Feed the Birds. Richard Sherman explained that the song Feed the Birds isn't really about birds. It's about something so small can make such a difference. All it takes is a little bit of nothing to do something nice, just tuppence. He believed it was the heartbeat of the entire movie. They worked together with Don DeGrati to put together a few songs along with some sketches to show Walt. After a few weeks, the trio met with Walt to present their ideas. They played through the various songs they brought to him, and at the end of them all, Walt said, You think story, and that's good. Sing me that Bird Woman song again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's so graceful. The Bird Woman. (laughs) After the boys finished, Walt stayed silent for a moment, then nodded and said, That's what the story is all about. Now, normally right now, I would say number one, Jason. (laughs) But this is just a heads up um, that a lot of these, uh, what we're going to play for tonight is not just directly from the movie. But I got, um, if you buy the Legacy Collection from of the Mary Poppins CD that they released a few years ago, they give you, there's a lot of audio from the demo recordings. Oh, that's cool. So. I've some of them you're going to hear just the demo. Some you'll hear just from the movie. Some I've merged them. So um, just a heads up at that is that that's what you're hearing if it doesn't sound like what you expect. So without okay. further ado, number one, Jason. Tuppence a bag, as sung by Mary Poppins. Feed the birds, tuppence a bag, tuppence, tuppence, tuppence. A Feed the birds, that's what she cries, while overhead her birds fill the skies all around the cathedral. That's such a beautiful song. It I is. always thought it was Tuppence a Day. I got that wrong. I think that might be another line in it, maybe. Yeah, well, you're buying a bag of bird feed. Oh. You're buying a bag of bird feed. (laughs) What did you say? You're buying a bag of bird feed. The Mary Poppins (laughs) books weren't big singular stories, but instead each was a collection of smaller standalone stories. From that initial meeting, DeGrati and the Sherman brothers got to work on creating a unifying storyline from the various unrelated stories. Of all the chapters in the books, there were six that stood out to them as lending themselves to music and a possible storyline. They worked together for two years with the books, hammering out details, all while Walt didn't yet have the rights to the book. Walt's tenacity in pursuing P.L. Travers for the movie rights to her book finally paid off as dwindling book sales throughout the 1950s put added pressure on Travers to strike a deal with Walt. Now, 
I'm not going to get into the details of how all that happened. That is for someone else's segment or a viewing of Saving Mr. Banks. Exactly. This is a music segment. So <laughs> yada, yada, yada. He got the rights. Right. right. With that, the Disney team could move forward in crafting Walt's vision for Mary Poppins. The filmmakers wanted to achieve a Broadway-style sound for the film. The Sherman brothers, in particular, were very impressed by the scoring of the Broadway musical Fiorello. Walt himself liked the work of whomever the musical director was for the Gary Moore variety show. <laughs> it turns out it sounds like Walt. You know, it's like Broadway or the Gary Moore show. <laughs> turns out both of these were the work of famous composer and conductor Erwin Kostel, hmm. who was brought on board as musical director, arranger, and conductor for the movie. So the Sherman brothers came up with the concepts and the lyrics and the melodies for the movie, but it was on Erwin Kostel to take those melodies and orchestrate them into a full soundtrack using a 75-piece orchestra, and he also reworked the Disney recording stage for stereo sound. So basically, Kostel took this, number two. Oh, it's a jolly holiday with Mary. Mary makes your art so light. <laughs> And he turned it into uh, this, number three. I don't see a difference. <laughs> it's all the same to me. The accent was better in number three. Well, I like I like in in, in number three. It's like it's a jolly holiday with Mary. Yeah, I know. not with. There's no there's no f. Like, yeah. are we committing? Are we not? What's happening here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that orchestra uh, bit on number three. That was it's dope. It's great. Yeah. It's 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 almost hard to to think that. Um, someone came up with that, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I hear music like this, especially when it's broken down in these segments, right. it, it's almost reminding you that a human being in our timeline of this earth mm -hmm. created this. It hasn't just always, it just existed and this yeah. is part of like a thing. That's right. If that makes sense. And that's just the beginning. Wait until you hear later on what he's done. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. Well. I don't want to wait. I'm going to skip right ahead to number 11. Here we go. Oh, I thought you just didn't <laughs> want to hear it. No, I love it. Go ahead. <laughs> Costell had recently won an Oscar for his work on West Side Story and would go on the following year to score The Sound of Music, which, of course, also featured Julie Andrews in the leading role as Maria Von Trapp. Some 20 years later, Costell would conduct the re-recording of Fantasia for its 1980s release. Uh-oh. Illuminati time. That's the other show. That's the other show. That's yeah. the other, other show. <laughs> yeah. The Sherman Brothers and Erwin Costell weren't the only ones with musical ideas for the movie. The book's author, P.L. Travers, weighed in, having some favorite tunes she wanted the Sherman Brothers to put in the movie, such as Green Sleeves and ta ra ra boom number four. <laughs> Bro. What? <laughs> Is it a Christmas story? No. There is a Christmas tree. I mean, this is pretty, you know, Mary Poppins-y, but it's slightly repetitive. What's the repetitive? <laughs> Bro, she, oh. What's Ta-Ra-Ra-Boom-Dee about, Jeremy? I don't know. Okay. I probably should have. I should have known you would ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is my twenty eighth 
segment here or something like that. Oh, so wow. I, I should be should be ready for these questions. That's right. I'm a I'm a top tier A one interviewer. I don't know if you've heard my interviews before. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, the Sherman brothers had to persuade her to let go of these ideas because while they claimed they also loved those classic songs, they weren't appropriate for a musical that needed original music. Walt liked for each of his characters to have their own theme song that would not only help introduce most important characters, but that would serve as their background theme when they were in focus on the screen. It helped to create a certain familiarity with the characters as the movie played out. One of the first characters to have a theme that we meet is Admiral Boom, the veteran naval officer neighbor of the Bankses, who has converted his roof into the deck of a ship. Admiral Boom was meant to have his own performance singing his theme, but at the last minute, it was cut from the film. Take a listen here to the Sherman Brothers demo of their Admiral Boom theme, followed by a modern recording of the track that is meant to sound as though it was created in the 60s for the film. Number five. And who in the Royal Navy established that rigid time, that firm and flexible interval known as T? Admiral Boom! <laughs> yes, time has been my watchword, punctuality. Though the world takes its time from Greenwich, Greenwich takes its time from me. After all, historically speaking, who put the time in maritime? I think I could sing that. I think so, too. Yeah, I can sing like that. Sure. Also, just to fill you in, the Ta-Ra-Ra Boom DA or mm-hmm. whatever yeah. was like a vaudeville song, and it was very risque. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. so they sing very suggestive lines, and then Ta-Ra-Ra Boom DA was a part they do in the middle while everyone's in a room. Where they dance or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. all horned up. Yeah, basically. Okay. Yes. All right. Tara Ra Boom Die was uh, actually in a, one of the songs featured in America Sings. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Hmm. But while Admiral Boom's feature performance of his song was cut, the theme did survive in the movie as the underlying melody in Costell's orchestration that we hear when the Admiral is on screen. Take a listen to the Admiral Boom melody that made it into the movie number six. You know what we need to do next time you have a segment like this on, on one of the movies, Jeremy, is we should all watch it first. Yeah. Because I don't, I mean, I've, I've seen Mary Poppins maybe once ever. Really? I, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I know the Admiral Boom is like an old guy, I, but it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't resonate, right? It doesn't catch with me because I, I it's been maybe 30 years since I've seen that movie. So. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. I think it'd be yeah. cool, right? Because then I can ask questions or go, wow, that actually does, you know, whatever. But yeah. I can't because I'm a, a not a very good interviewer. It's also the best <laughs> Disney movie ever made. It's a good remember, one. I know you said you were a A-plus number one interviewer. No, I would never say that. That's a, I, yeah. I would never say that about myself. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, continue, please, young man. David Tomlinson, the famous British actor who portrayed George Banks, had never sung professionally before and was nervous he wouldn't be good enough. But Erwin Costell knew Tomlinson's untrained baritone voice would be just right for George Banks' signature piece. Take a listen to Tomlinson's untrained voice here in George Banks' theme, The Life I Lead, number seven. God, this is going to sound like me, I swear to God. (laughs) 
run my home precisely on schedule. <laughs> At 6.01, I march through my door. Yeah. My slippers, sherry and pipe are due. At 6.02, consistent is the life I lead. George, they're missing. Spend it, spend it. <laughs> it's grand to be an Englishman in 1910. King Edward's on the the Age of Men. He sounded fine to me. Yeah. He sounded great. That is your song. <laughs> Man, I wish that I could I could have some sort of consistency in times in my life. What are you talking about? Taryn, doesn't Jason ask you for his slippers, sherry, and pipe at 6 p.m.? <laughs> <Bro>. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like... Uh, like beer. Jammy shorts. Yeah. And controller. Be- beer right. And, controller. <laughs> and find something to watch on TV. <laughs> Nailed it. Karen Dotris and Michael Garber perform our next theme, The Perfect Nanny, when they sing their own handwritten advertisement for a nanny to their father. P.L. Travers was keen for as many characters in the movie to be portrayed by English people as possible. And a letter in a letter to Walt had suggested child actress Karen Dotris for the role of Jane Banks. What Travers didn't know was that Walt had already cast her in the role. Mm-hmm. Take a listen to The Perfect Nanny. First, the demo sung by the Shermans, and then it's heard in the film sung by eight-year-old Dotris and seven-year-old Garber number eight. It's funny because like all of these little anecdotes of P.L. Travers talking to Walt and whatever, she kind of just seems like she's bugging him. I would have been super annoyed with her. Like I, I thank you. I already cast this person. You know, like you've already figured it out. Go, just leave me alone. I wonder how accurate the movie is. The um, Saving Mr. Banks movie is the one actually annoying. happened. Oh. And and if it is accurate, then Walt would be like, "That's who you want cast in there." You know what? Let me think about it and walk away and take a couple days and then come back and say, okay, you got it. So that she feels like she has a win and the whole time he's like, Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) If you want this choice position, you must have a cheerful disposition. Rosy cheeks, no warts. Play games, all sorts. You must be kind. Kind you must be witty. Sweet and fairly pretty. Take us on outings, give us treats, sing songs, praise. Love us as a son and daughter, and never smell of barley water. I put that in too. If you won't scold. All I could think listening to the kids, I don't know why it was one eight seven Santa Claus for kids. <laughs> well, and then the first part, the the not the kids part, the other mm. part reminded me of Time Warp. Like it started, it sounded ah. like the Time Warp. Wha- hold, really? on, hold on, hold on. If you want this choice that? position, you must have a cheerful disposition. That part, Rosie. I was okay. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> no. I don't know. Oh, We're derailing the whole show right now because of Taryn. I mean, like, it's Let's just go. A jump to the left? Yeah. <laughs> I see what you mean now. Yeah. Sounding. Time is fleeting. <laughs> yeah. Madness. Oh, man. No. I wish it was Halloween. I actually really do agree with you. Yeah. yeah I totally see it. Not for very much longer. God, I love this song so much. <laughs> I've got to. Keep control. I've never seen. I remember. <laughs> I've never seen this movie. 
It's uh-huh. the terrible movie. I've never seen Rocky it's, Horror. It's a terrible it's movie, but it's cool and it's and it's like cult like thing. And, right? and I need to see it just because Tim Curry. Oh god, like that's that's, that's great. That's my man. I He's love great. that dude. Oh, right. he was good on that episode of Roseanne. <laughs> I also have never watched. An episode I remember of Ro- that. Of an epi- You've never seen even one episode? When I say I haven't seen an episode, I mean I've never finished an episode. I've seen bits and pieces here and there. Okay. But, Roseanne yeah. was tight. I never liked her. Hmm. Uh. I loved it. All right, Jeremy, please continue. It's no Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you got a lot of clips. <laughs> well, well before production began on Mary Poppins, Walt went to see stage singer and actress Julie Andrews perform in Camelot. Julie Andrews had been singing since she was just a young child in London's West End and made her Broadway debut in The Boyfriend in 1954 at the age of 19. She was billed Britain's youngest prima donna and rose to fame playing Eliza Doolittle in the Broadway production of My Fair Lady in 1956. Take a listen to Julie Andrews sing here at the age of just 12 years old, number nine. What are you going to sing for us? I'd like to sing the Polonaise from me. Oh, lovely. Just the kind of junk I like. like she was the original singer for the cranberries <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah that was crazy yeah she's amazing 12 amazingly good. my lord i think the real star of that clip is the host when she says what she's gonna sing and he goes oh lovely just the kind of junk i love <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to sing this one for you i'm going to sing and sing and you're just going to love it Oh, good. Let me vomit all over you. <laughs> oh, love. Yeah, now he's like just a slumlord cockney like a, oh, goody, goody. It goes on like he was like, how old are you? And she goes, 12. And she goes, how old are you? And he was, I think I'll ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I love it. We'll do a whole show just about that. At their meeting, Walt told her about Mary Poppins and said he wanted her to possibly star in it. Julie told Walt that sounded wonderful, but there was just one problem. She was pregnant. I have no legs. <laughs> Draw me legs, Walter. Walt said, that's okay. We'll wait. And they did. We wow. Greet, nice. Yeah, we greet Julie Andrews and meet Mary Poppins and her theme, A Spoonful of Sugar, first as theme music here when she appears floating above London, heading towards the Banks house on Cherry Tree Lane, number 10. The Sherman brothers had been toiling on a theme song for Mary Poppins for some time and were struggling to find a saying that summed up her outlook on life. One day, Bob Sherman's son had to get the polio vaccine at school. When asked if it was painful, (laughs) he replied, no, 
that they put it on a spoonful of sugar. Immediately, Bob Sherman knew they had their theme for Mary Poppins, number 11. That's pretty cool. Can you imagine? It, again, it, it, just like uh, you know, the music being written by someone, there were still a time when you had to get the polio, polio. vaccine, dude. Yeah. Gosh. Oops, here we go. That a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down. Medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way. Very She's good. so What's pretty. Going on? Nothing. Don't worry. <laughs> We're just. Terrence is making me laugh. Yeah, it's me. But Spoonful of Sugar almost never existed. Originally, the brothers had written a theme for Mary Poppins called Through the Eyes of Love, number 12. Oh, my God. It sounds like... Through the eyes of love. Sounds like a Yacht Rock song. Sounds like a rat song. Through the eyes of love. The eyes of love, as sung by Mary Poppins. Covered by Sebastian Bach. Until you learn to see with your heart. That's flat. You think? I don't know music. He hides behind the commonplace. But through the eyes of love, you can start seeing Who is that singing? One of the Shermans. Oh. That was terrible. <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> that was real bad. Yeah. I'm not sure which one it was. Mm. I thought that Bob was the one who would sing and ro- and the other Richard was the one that played. No, Richard sang and Bob played piano, right? Something like that? I mean, I, it's... Well, the other ones, he was so much better. Well, yeah, there were, yeah, there were times. And, and, you know, look, it's it's demo, and, and clearly yeah. that's not their... They're supposed to be their sure. strong suit. Yeah. It's just a take. I wish I could sing that good. Well, yeah, I wish that's you could true. Yeah, what? <laughs> Making your way... In the... <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead, please, Jeremy. Uh... Before filming the movie, Julie Andrews visited the Disney Studios to preview the songs and sketches for the film, and she told Walt that she didn't think Through the Eyes of Love necessarily worked for her. And it was agreed that rather than that ballad, which also had shortcomings according to P.L. Travers, because it hinted at romance between Mary Poppins and Bert, which she did not like, Mary Poppins needed something marvelous which is precisely what we got in Spoonful of Sugar. So if Julie Andrews hadn't asked for a brighter song, we never would have gotten Spoonful of Sugar. Hmm. But Julie Andrews not only made it possible for the song to exist by her request for a replacement, and of course her extraordinary vocal talents, but Julie Andrews also provided the whistling of the robin that joins her in the song, number 13. Jeez. Wow. Triple threat. Yeah, I know. That's amazing. Maybe she was RKO Birdbath or whatever his name was. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
What was that guy's name? Horatio Q. Birdbath. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> Man, I wish I had a son. I would call him Horatio Q. Birdbath Petros. <laughs> like his first name would be Horatio Q. Birdbath. It's not too late. It's not. Uh, no, it's t- <laughs> it's too late. Uh, go ahead, uh, Jeremy. Uh-oh. For a son named Horatio, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> right. That's what I mean. <laughs> They had hired a professional whistler for the role, but that person just wasn't capturing the mood, so Julie volunteered. Can you imagine being a professional whistler? I feel like you have to have a side gig with that. Yeah, I also uh, deliver milk, but I'm a professional whistler. (laughs) (laughs) So she she picks the music, she sings it, and she whistles, Eat your heart out, Emily Blunt. (laughs) (laughs) Not to put too fine a point on it. No, no, no I, I like Emily Blunt. She because her not blunt is <clears throat> Got it. <clears throat> yeah, we get it. Thanks. Our next theme is for Bert, played by Dick Van Dyke. Bert's theme is always <laughs> a variation on the famous song Chim Chim Cheree. At this point in the movie, Mary Poppins and the children encounter Bert in the park drawing sidewalk chalk art. So this version of Chim Chim Cheree is called Pavement Artist, number 14. Chim Chimini, Chim Chimini, Chim Chim Cheree. I draws what I likes, and I likes what I drew. No remuneration do I ask of you. Bubby Cap would be glad of a copper or two. Me Cap would be glad of a copper or two. You know, watching the movie, whenever I watch it, I, I never got the... I, I guess I always got the impression that he was playing up the accent on purpose. That it was kind of just a like a like a parody or something. Not that he was actually earnestly trying to do a Cockney accent and just not doing it very well. He was trying his hardest, man. Oh man! But given even though he had that accent, it's hard to imagine anyone but Dick Van Dyke playing the role of Bert. But other actors considered for the role included Cary Grant, Fred Astaire, Danny Kaye, mm. and Tommy Steele. Tommy Steele instead went on to perform in Disney's The Happiest Millionaire and can be famously heard here, number 15. I call it Fortuosity That's me by word Fortuosity Me a twinkle in the eye word Sometimes castles fall to the ground But that's where Folly Colomas are I got a Danny K story on here. My grandma used yes. to work the uh, the turf club in the Santa Anita Parkway <clears throat> racetrack in Hollywood, okay. and uh, from like the forties on. Actually, she retired in like two thousand or something. Like oh, wow. literally, that's kind of all, all she did. And uh, Danny Kay would come in, Cary Grant, all these people. She was friends with Burke Bacharach, but Danny Kay would come in and he would buy like a candy bar for like a quarter. Uh-huh. And he would pay with like a dollar and just leave her the change. Oh, nice. But there were like some stars, and I can't remember their names, but they would pay and they would just, you know, give me my two cents change kind of thing. But he was like super generous. Yeah, it's kind of nice. 75 cents adds up, man. Yeah. I, right? Well, especially back then. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Nice of him. And uh, so anyway, any time I hear Danny Kay's name, I think of my grandma, which is very nice. Yeah, Danny Kay. He's okay. He's okay. He's AK. I think of how he danced with tap dance with Bing Crosby. Oh. Yeah? You know that reference? No. Okay, forget it. The movie now takes us into Bert's pavement drawing. 
And interestingly, the first scene we see here was also the very first sequence shot for the movie. So since it was Julie Andrews' first film, this is also the very first shot of the very first movie Julie Andrews ever filmed. Our music here is Jolly Holiday and features not only Bert singing about his admiration for Mary Poppins, but all the animals that... Oh, sorry. <laughs> wow, guess whose first time it is on the radio program. Sup, I worded this really weird. Uh, it's meant to be that Bert and the animals sing about their admiration for Mary Poppins, but the way I worded it kind of sounds like Bert is singing about his admiration for the animals. <laughs> to oh, Mary Poppins. So sorry about that. <laughs> oh, I, I love it, I'm like, this a isn't right. raccoon in the park. And a bird on... <clears throat> <laughs> Here, several voices are featured. Uh, famous voices are featured. Paul Fries of Haunted Mansion fame voices the horse. Thurl Ravenscroft of the Enchanted Tiki oh, nice. Room voices the pig. And Marnie Nixon sings as the geese. <laughs> Marnie. Marnie Nixon Marnie. is famous for having performed as Audrey Hepburn's singing voice in the movie version of My Fair Lady that same year, which <laughs> we're going to hear more about later. Number 16. When the day is gray and ordinary, God, the bills are smiling at the dove. When Mary holds your hand, you feel so grand. Your heart starts beating like a big. So, did did Bert and Mary Poppins know each other before this? Yes. No. You feel like uh, <clears throat> he would have given a reference or something. They never explain why, but it's definitely oh. they know each other. In the Jolly Holiday sequence, of course, we also have the Penguin Dance, which features the sound of a kazoo. Well, Richard Sherman himself played that kazoo, number 17. I was going to say, did Julie Andrews also whistle the kazoo? <laughs> She's like the Paul McCartney of this thing. No, I'll take care of it. I don't need you. I'll play it myself. Yeah. Oh, you need a, um, a flatulent sound? Hold on. Let me insert my hand underneath my armpit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, there it is. <laughs> Man, Jeremy scoured the ends of the earth and the cutting room floor for the weirdest stuff. I feel like Alice could have done that. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I hope that Richard Sherman did not ask to be put in the credits for that for <laughs> kazoo player. <laughs> Richard, Richard R. Sherman or something like that. So that's what it sounds like alone, but it's played faster in the movie. So in order to make it fit the music, they sped it up to blend it with the orchestra, number 18. XK890. Oh, you couldn't play it normally that fast? That's crazy. I love the first part. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) On helium. That should be like the opening to every every ears up. Like that's like the first. (laughs) Welcome to ears up, everybody. (laughs) Someone will say that they listen to the other show like that. that, There's there's a a large number of people who listen to podcasts in general. Like on one and a half. That's weird. Two X even. That's weird to me. It's a little weird. Yeah, but you know, I could see it. James McDonald, the sound effects wizard for the movie, one day heard some of the dancers who played the chimney sweeps making a sound by patting their stomachs. And he immediately knew that this sound would work perfectly as the sound of the feet of the penguins tapping. So he recorded several of the sweeps dancers patting their tummies as penguin feet. However, Erwin Costell 
replaced James McDonald's recording with a recording of himself patting his own stomach as he <laughs> believed his stomach was a better size and shape to produce the sound of the penguin's feet. Number 19. Imagine that conversation. That, like yeah. if, if they ever had an argument. No, my stomach. <laughs> Paul is... McCartney. Again. <laughs> Sounds weird. No, there's... I kind of want to try. I think I hate knowing that that's a stomach, <laughs> yeah, a stomach tap. I kind of want to try. Like, try it. It doesn't have the same resonance. As yeah. His is better. Well, well, his is on skin, skin to skin. That was over a shirt. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm. Show us some skin, Petra. Skin. <laughs> skin. That's the last thing anybody wants to see. Uh, go ahead, please, Jeremy. This next sequence is a dream for music trivia lovers, and it really showcases the vision and artistry of the people who worked on the film. First, the piece, The Carousel Horses, which is a variation on the Jolly Holiday theme, is orchestrated by Erwin Kostel, and we hear no less than 12 glockenspiels to perform the song of The Carousel Horses, number 20. What's a glockenspiel? It's a it's a German gun. <laughs> Just kidding. Jeremy, what's a glockenspiel? Uh, it's uh, it's a it's a musical instrument that kind of it's like a xylophone. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a horse going into that, and so I was expecting a very <laughs> different sound. <laughs> they beat what more than twenty horses were produced like, beat <laughs> into submission. <laughs> You know, you gotta hit it in the ribs. This one, you get the good resonance. And then it was re-recorded when Walt's personal horses right. sounded better, being struck repeatedly. I thought they recorded twenty-four oh horses galloping or something, and so I was like, "Oh, that's cool." And then I was like, "This does not sound like that." Magical horses. Wow. It's actually a stampede trampling a Glockenspiel factory. Is what, is what that was. They they sound great, but they stink in the rehearsal. <laughs> uh, that just made me miss Taryn Stinks. Right? That was one. I think we go. got it. Yeah. Right. Costal then employs nine French horns as we see the carousel horses peel off the carousel to join the fox hunt, number 21. Are those geese? <laughs> Thank you. 
When coming up with the concept for the next piece, the Sherman brothers thought it would be nice if after having left the pavement drawing, Mary Poppins could give some sort of gift to the children. What they came up with the key What they came up with for this gift was a word they invented. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It was a British tradition of pearly bands called this for their outfits embellished all over with hundreds of pearls to play at sporting events and pubs all around the country. So it was perfect for Mary Poppins to perform with a pearly band after winning the horse race. They remarked at how hard it was in recording this song to make professional musicians play in an amateurish sort of way. They also used a, te- a technique for this song where each instrument was recorded individually and then all the separate tracks were put together to make it sound like they had played together as an ensemble. This was reached, achieved using something called a click track. A click track um, is a, it's a little earpiece that goes into each musician's uh, ear and then it clicks to keep the time so that they all play at the exact same speed even mm-hmm. though they're playing separately. Even the vocalists were recorded individually Take a listen to how these individually recorded tracks make up the pearly band in Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious number 22. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious My favorite part was, uh, Jeremy, when you were like, uh, yeah, it's hard. It was going to be hard to get professional musicians to pretend not to suck so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Just, it was funny. Originally, the Sherman Brothers titled the track The Pearly Band, but it was Walt who said, don't be afraid to call it supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Upon returning home after their day in the pavement drawing, the children don't want to go to sleep, claiming they are much too excited from their fun-filled day. The Shermans provide us here with a track called Stay Awake, the lyrics to which urge the children to stay awake and fight sleeping, while the soothing melody that employs six cellos and six violas lulls the children to sleep. This song almost didn't make it into the film as Walt considered removing it for time. Julie Andrews, who loved the song, wrote to P.L. Travers, mentioning that the song was in danger of being removed. Travers wasted no time in writing to Walt to <laughs> him to keep the song in the movie. Oh, wow. She got played. <laughs> Travers felt that the reverse psychology of urging the children to stay awake while making them fall asleep was so very Mary Poppins, it was a shame to leave it out. So it stayed. Here is both the Sherman Brothers pre-demo recording and Julie Andrews' movie cut of Stay Awake, number 23. Stay awake, don't rest your head Don't lie down upon your bed While the moon drifts in the sky I've heard that as a technique if you can't 
sleep, you just try to stay awake. And eventually you'd go to sleep. I'm rocking because I sing that to all of my kids when they're babies. When I really? Put them to sleep, yeah. Aww. I like that. Song. That might make it into my... Uh... Your rotation? Yeah. It's a beautiful song. Oh, my God. Nice. At the After this segment, you should talk about the song you sing Aww. to Alice. We'll, we'll talk about it on the secret God. show. Is okay. it the time warp? <laughs> <laughs> time is fleeting. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Jeremy, please. Feed the birds, as mentioned before, is the heartbeat of the movie. Here again, we see Erwin Kostel's genius combined with the Sherman Brothers' moving lyrics and Julie Andrews' voice to create something extraordinary. Kostel evolves the orchestration from the simple sound of the street musette to the surging power of the full orchestra joined by a pipe, organ, and chorus. Number 24. Come feed the little birds, show them you care, and you'll be glad. That song gets me. Um, It's beautiful. (laughs) It really is really good. The Bird Woman was played by wheelchair-bound elderly veteran actress Jane Darwell of Gone with the Wind fame. (laughs) Walt insisted on top treatment for Darwell and had her chauffeured to the set in a limousine. The Bird Woman sequence on the steps of St. Paul's was the last sequence shot for the film on September 6, 1963. Walt didn't often visit the sets while they were filming, but he made it a point to attend that last day to watch and greet Jane Darwell. Darwell passed away not long after Mary Poppins, but was delighted by her treatment during the film. Um, and this was one of the things in, in the, one of the documentaries I watched as they talked, Julie talked about how she was at such a tender young age. She was, I think, 26 when she filmed this. It was her first movie. And then you had someone at the end of their career like Darwell and they it was a time in movie making when they treated everyone very much like humans. And they sort of, she was sort of like lamented the loss of that, um, that, you know, in Walt's day, how you were treated. And now you're more of like a number. Hmm. And I thought that was sort of an interesting uh, look at that. And, yeah. and a nice tribute to Walt and how he treated his people. Mm-hmm. Dick Van Dyke now famously not only portrayed Bert in the film, but also played the elderly Mr. Dawes Sr. of the Fidelity Fiduciary Bank, where he performs the song of the same name. Dick Van Dyke was noted for having recorded this piece in one single take. Number 25. Wow. If you invest your toughens wisely in the bank, safe and sound, soon that toughens Safely invested in the bank will come pound and you'll achieve. That's a song I'm going to sing to Alice from now on. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> when Bert, Mary Poppins, and the bank's children find themselves marching over the rooftops of London at dusk, they need to climb a set of smoke stairs to get from one building to another. Originally, this scene called for Julie Andrews to yodel in order to make the smoke form into the steps. Number 26. 
XK2042. What was that last word? That's it. <laughs> Help is <Wow>. wizard. <laughs> <laughs> However, it was felt this was a little too out of character for Mary Poppins, and so we just got more of Erwin Costell's lovely orchestration. The next piece, and one of the more famous pieces of music from the movie, owes its place in the film primarily to British matte painting artist Peter Ellenshaw. Now, why would the painting artist be responsible for a piece of music, especially one that is credited as having been written by the Sherman Brothers, be in this movie, you ask, Jason? Yes, I do, actually. I'm glad you got my email. Yes. Well, Peter Ellenshaw painted a vast majority of the skylines and backdrops you see in the movie. Now, Ellen Shaw was a very proud British gentleman, and one day he was teaching some of the film's creators, including Walt, about a dance that had become popular in England called Knees Up Mother Brown. And he was <laughs> demonstrating how during it, everyone kicked their knees up and sang the tune Arm in Arm, and Walt loved it. Number 27. kind of like it yeah it's, it's not a, it's not awful it's a good birthday song it's your blooming birthday like at tgi fridays yes yeah we're at chevy's they come out and put that hat and then they scream this into your left and right ear at the same time so hearing that do you know where this is going no no oh okay well and again, well, I, know, I know i know i know i know, I know. this is a perfect okay. time that we should have watched this blooming movie before the show, then we would have known. Is it going into step in time? Step in time. Oh, yeah. I always thought it was a mo- it was a song about gardening. You step on your time. Oh, like don't step in time. You're, you're a dork. So Walt is learn. He hears that. He's learning it, and he yells, "Get the Sherman boys in here!" <laughs> so they come in and they're like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> We're literally drunk. What do you want?" <laughs> And they see Peter Ellenshaw, Walt, and several others arm in arm, kicking their knees up and singing, <laughs> Knees up, Mother Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Walt insisted that this was just the sound they needed for the film. The Sherman Brothers took the song away and wrote, Step in Time. The Sherman Brothers again wrote the song and the lyrics, which was only a few bars. But they gave it to Erwin Kostel, and he orchestrated it into 14 minutes of music <laughs> that became the full Step in Time dance sequence, weaving in not only the Step in Time theme, but other themes such as Spoonful of Sugar, Sister Suffragette, and The Life I Lead, and more. Now, this next uh, piece of audio is a little longer than I normally will give you. It's a little more than a minute, but it's 14 minutes of this music oh, that yeah. he managed to extract from those few measures to give you a flavor of what he was able to build from that simple theme, number 28. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Okay. 
That's amazing. It really is. That didn't feel like a minute at all. No. The sequence definitely sounds feels like 14 minutes. <laughs> it is a long sequence in the film. When Richard and Robert Sherman were very young, their father would make kites for them. For the end of Mary Poppins, they were trying to think of something that the father in the movie could do with the children that would be even more exciting than anything Mary Poppins could do. So it was the Sherman brothers' father who inspired the movie's famous final number, Let's Go Fly a Kite. But their original demo didn't quite hit the mark. Number 29. With sticks and paper and strings, you can have your own set of wings. When the boys demoed that version for Walt, he said it sounded too much like a Broadway show and didn't reflect the musical style of his English music hall style movie. So they changed the key. So they changed the time signature to three quarter time, like a waltz, and we got this number thirty. With tuppence for paper and strings, you can have your own set of wings. With your feet on the ground, you're a bird in flight. With your fist holding tight. To the string of your kite. The Sherman brothers wrote 32 songs in all for the Poppins project, though less than half, 14 actually, made it into the final version of the picture. Though not all those were lost to history. Any good Disney fan knows nothing is ever thrown away entirely. The Land of Sand was a piece written for a sequence in the film that would take the children on a tour around the world thanks to a magical compass. A few years later, when Disney needed a song for Ka in the Jungle Book, the Sherman Brothers resurrected the Land of Sand in the form of Trust in Me, number hmm. 31. Hmm. The Land of Sand. The Land of Sand. In the land of sand, nothing is what it seems. Maybe that'll be the ballad I sing to Alice now. <laughs> With the piano, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> During development of the movie, it became clear to the Sherman brothers that though they had worked on so many songs for Mary Poppins, Walt didn't have the guarantee of the rights to the movie from P.L. Travers. They feared that all their countless hours of work and creation would be in vain. Walt assured the boys that he had another project up his sleeve, in case Mary Poppins didn't work out, in bed knobs and broomsticks, and many of their pieces could be reworked for that film. Though Walt did eventually get the rights to Mary Poppins, he still proceeded with bed knobs and broomsticks a few, few years later. The song The Beautiful Briny that appeared in Bed Knobs and Broomsticks was another Sherman Brothers creation originally intended for the lost magical compass sequence of Mary Poppins, number 32. How pleasant bobbing along, bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful briny sea. What a chance to get And if that untrained baritone sounds familiar that is also david tomlinson who plays the banks his father yeah that's right oh. when the film finished production every member of the crew requested a copy of the soundtrack 
Sales for the cast album went gold in just 13 weeks. It was number one on the charts for 16 weeks and a bestseller for more than a year. The film itself, of course, won five Oscars in 1965, including best song Chim Chim Cheree. And it also won another separate special Oscar um, that's not an official Oscar, but for the the it was an award for <laughs> their combination of live um, life and animation. Yeah, that's um, nice. Julie Andrews famously won both the Oscar for Best Actress, but possibly more famously the Golden Globe. Julie Andrews had risen to stardom in My Fair Lady on Broadway, but was passed up to play the role on screen in favor of Audrey Hepburn who had to have Marnie Nixon voice the songs for her. She was disappointed not to be able to play the role that had made her famous, but the decision by Jack Warner of Warner Brothers to pass on Julie Andrews freed her up to be able to play Mary Poppins. When she won the Golden Globe in her now famous acceptance speech, she thanked the man who made a wonderful movie and made it possible for her to win the Golden Globe. Not Walt Disney, but one Jack <laughs> Warner. For had he not passed on her, she would never have been Mary Poppins. I feel like she was still bitter, even though she was winning an award. Like, that's, yeah, that's kind know. of like a dig. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? It's hard to think of Julie Andrews as digging at anybody. Yeah. I think she did it in a... I, I was going to play the audio, but I was trying to not make this nine hours long. So. <laughs> um, but she does it in a joking way. When they when the camera pans to Jack Warner in the video, he's like wiping tears away. He's laughing so hard. So oh, it was all in, there, okay, in good humor. Um, but it's sort of kind of cool because uh, Audrey Hepburn didn't win. Audrey Hepburn got picked, but Audrey Hepburn couldn't even sing the songs. It had I to know. be dubbed over. So. <laughs> Julie Andrews for the win. That's oh, you right. know what that is? That's her pretty woman moment where she walks back with the bags and she's like, big Huge. mistake. Nice. Huge mistake. <laughs> it yeah. totally is. I don't know. Okay. Sorry. You've never seen that movie? I saw it once when I was like Bro. an inappropriate age for what actually <laughs> happens in that movie. So She's a like what? You've never seen <laughs> yeah. It's so annoying. She's a personal assistant. <laughs> Mary Poppins was the top grossing film of 1965, beating out The Sound of Music, which also starred Julie Andrews. Goldfinger and My Fair Lady and held the title of Disney's highest grossing film of all time for a further 20 years. Jeez. This was in a time when a ticket costs $1.75. Wow. When adjusted for today's ticket value, it still grosses higher than the likes of Finding Nemo and The Lion King. Through history, there have been well over 200, 200 recordings of Mary Poppins songs by other artists, multiple releases of the soundtrack, including in other languages apart from English, and the film led to a popular Broadway musical, the movie Saving Mr. Banks, and now, after more than 50 years, a sequel. Music from Mary Poppins has been heard through the years in the parks, in firework shows such as Fantasy in the Sky, the Magic Kingdom entrance area music, Mickey's Sensational Parade, and of course, the Jolly Holiday Bakery Cafe area music. And that is the music of Mary Poppins. Wow. Good job. That's awesome. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. It's been a pleasure. A teaspoonful of salt helps the box wine. <laughs> Excellent work, Jeremy. As 
always. My Loved friend. it. All right, thank you. It was All great right. being on here. <laughs> it was great being on here. Thank it's you. Been, it had been a while. I was happy to come back. Yeah, it's been a long time, man. Yeah. But you know what? You kept pushing it because you wanted to do this uh, on your own or something. Yeah, and I needed um, I needed time to do it. That's true. It that was a, a big time. project. So now on to the next. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right, homie. All right, we'll see you. Have a good night. All right, bye. Bye. Man, I just published the uh, link for the secret show. On Patreon. Well, so it's 9.01 here. We do the secret show at 9.30. I do have news to talk about, so uh, let's just do a couple pieces of news, I guess. Okay. Because uh, there's stuff to there's stuff to talk about. So give me just a second. got to open everything because I can't open everything on the same computer because then it'll play because people like autoplay ads. It's a whole thing. March in the past, present, and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the Ears Up Disney News. Some Star Wars news, because we can't get away from Star Wars. No. We, we cannot do it. It's literally impossible. Um, for you live folks, Disney is will live stream the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge panel from something called Star Wars Celebration this Saturday. And we're going to talk about, of course, uh, bringing Star Wars Galaxy's Edge to life at the Disney Parks panel from Star Wars Celebration, which sounds pretty cool. If I can yeah. check it out, you know, I'll, I'll check it out. But, um, of course, the article doesn't really say where. Oh, it's Disney Parks blog. So check that out. Saturday, um, Central Time, 11 o'clock. So what is that? 10 here? Something like that? Hello? Am I in the yeah. room alone? 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock here. Okay. Got it. Got it. Thank you very much. We're talking about uh, Disney Plus. All of the shows and films Disney is planning for its Disney Plus streaming service, and it's it's a lot. So, are, so these are new shows, like yes. never like new production. Yeah, new production. So, films are doing a bunch of remakes, of course, because that's what Disney likes to do. Um, they're going a remake of Lady and the Tramp, which will be a Disney Plus release. I'm sure it's going to be live action, right? Uh, oh, yeah, probably, I, I would imagine. It'll star Justin Theroux and someone called Tessa Thompson as the title characters. Yeah, I don't know. Other live-action projects in the works include Sword in the Stone. We talked about that briefly, which is directed by the guy who directed 28 Weeks Later. Oh, so I would watch that. I imagine it's going to be like a dark, yeah. you know, brooding yeah. kind of a film. I mean, because the, the movie is. A cartoon is kind of dark, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Peter Pan. Is reportedly in the works from the guy who did uh, Pete's Dragon, which is another remake. So there you go. The company is also apparently eyeing reboots of films like Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> what? Why not? Father of the Bride. <gasps> no. Which you can't. I know. You don't touch do. that movie. My God. But we thought, I would have said the same thing about Aladdin. I would have, I would have literally bet $100,000 that they would never have remade Aladdin. Because how can you touch that that uh, Robin Williams? Uh, come on, uh, the Parent Trap, which always gets redone. That's fine. Yeah, yeah well, who cares about the Parent Trap? Uh, Sister Act, bro, and Honey, no. I Shrunk the Kids, which is another bro. movie you should not touch. Rick Moranis was amazing in that movie. That was come on. Do they think career. that like parents aren't showing their kids these movies, so like they have to redo them so that they like stay current? I like, don't what know. Is I don't think it's that because it's, no ideas. everybody goes back. Everyone will watch that, and and I think what they want to do, they want to catch just new generations with the same content, and then you can go back. Go, let's look at the original, and you buy that one. It's the Karate Kid 
thing. It's Ugh. terrible, dude. I don't like it. But, uh, you know, we got to go through it, and uh, that's the way it is. So now we're talking um, originals. There's a movie or a film in, uh, called Magic Camp, which is about a fictional magical summer camp from the guy who directed Mean Girls. I like it better the first time when it was called Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Noel, N-O-E-L-L-E. So is it Noelle? I don't know. Starring Anna Kendrick as Santa Claus's daughter. I'm going to see it. Really? I don't even care what it's about. <laughs> I, love, I love her. Is she from Mad Who's Men? That? Anna Kendrick? Is she no. from Mad Men? No. Anna Kendrick's from, uh, mean, not Mean Girls, from um, uh, know, Pitch dude. Perfect. I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Star Girl, an original <laughs> film based on the book by Jerry Spinelli. Uh, Timmy Failure, which is which was it's actually our Greek last name, uh, <laughs> which is based on the book series by Stephen Pastis and directed by Spotlight's Tom McCarthy. And Togo, a story about the sled dog that brought badly needed medicine to Nome, Alaska in 1925, which will star Willem Dafoe. Boring. <laughs> Literally no Thank one you. cared. No one's going to care. Um, and then they have a bunch of stuff in development, of course. Uh, a show called 29 Dates, which is based on a forthcoming book about a Korean exchange student in the U.S. Who goes on 29 Dates? Uh, maybe. Um, Three Men and a Baby, uh, of course, which apparently was directed by Leonard, uh, Leonard, Leonard Nimoy. Nineteen eighty seven. Weird. Yeah. They're gonna uh, adapt Don Quixote, which I think they've but people they've have been done. trying to adapt yeah. that movie forever, dude. I know um not Benicio del Toro, but uh Guillermo del Toro, the director, okay. has been trying to do that with Johnny Depp for years. There's actually a documentary oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah. and I think they shot like six days worth of film and like it got shut down for insurance reasons. Like there's a whole the whole thing. Do you know there was an entire Johnny Depp movie that's been complete it that hasn't been released yet no what's it, it called it's called city of lies you know what it's about no it's about the tupac and biggie murder no with johnny uh, depp C- uh, city of Ice. does he play biggie tell me he plays no, biggie he, he plays um <laughs> Russell Poole, the guy who um who said that certain people <laughs> your cousin was responsible really for both murders it's, wow. been, it's complete. It has wrapped. It's done, and they can't get. Wow. We'll talk about it more. On Good yeah, right. I want to. I, I want to hear more about this. Uh, Florida and Ulysses, which is about a girl and a squirrel, and that's all it gives. So uh, those are the the films in development in television world. Disney Plus is going to be the most exciting. Uh, in TV space it has announced a slew of shows from major franchises one of the most anticipated projects is The Mandalorian a live action series about a Mandalorian gunslinger in the years after Return of the Jedi it will star Pedro Pascal from Game of Thrones as the titular character along with Gina Carano Werner Herzog uh, Nick Nolte Carl Weathers Nick Nolte? Carl Weathers Apollo? Apollo Wow which I feel like has only really got a resurrection because of Arrested Development in the last couple of seasons, so whatever. Uh, Emily Swallow, I don't know. Giancarlo Esposito, sounds delicious. And Omid Abtada, David Fiorni, Bryce Dallas Howard, who I like. And Takia Watidad. I, I, I'm not like being a jerk. I, I literally, I don't know, I read it too fast. There's a lot of T's and I's in a row. Not, not going to work here. <laughs> we'll direct episode. Oh, oh, okay. See, this is the problem with this is the Verge article. It says uh, it stars Pedro Pascal as a titular character, and then it literally lists all those people I just said. It says we'll direct episodes. So I think Werner Herzog is going to direct an episode of them. Werner Herzog, 
the best the best documentary filmmaker in existence is going to direct an episode of The Mandalorian. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Disney is also planning a section, second live-action series that's currently in development, a, pre, a prequel to Rogue One. Oh, so we got a prequel to... Was Rogue One a prequel? It was. It was the... Uh, in between episode three and okay, four. Yeah. So there you go. That, that's sure. happening. Uh, a new season of The Clone Wars. There's that's, that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's fine, I guess. Uh, and then, of course, now on the Marvel side, uh, there's going to be a series about Loki, which will star Tom Hiddleston. There will be also a series about Vision and Scarlet Witch. Now, the only Vision I'm concerned with, is, well, two, is 2020. On my eyes, okay. right? Yes. Uh, and then the skateboard company. That's all. I mean, come on. What, what is this going on? Uh, Paul Bethany and Elizabeth Olsen expected to reprise their roles. I guess Paul Bettany is Vision. I don't know. I, I want to. I, I need to go back and like watch all those stupid movies just to just, up, just do it for the culture. Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't understand what's going on. There's another series about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Why? I don't know, man. So uh, there you go. There's a mini series in development about Hawkeye. Which will star Jeremy Renner. Literally the worst of the Avengers. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Apparently he's going to hand off the role to his character's protege, Kate Bishop. And so that's the point of doing that. But so far, honestly, this all sounds thoroughly boring. Yes, it does. But yeah. what do I know? I, you know? I miss the mark on a lot of kind of stupid stuff. Marvel is also reportedly working on an animated What If series for the platform, which would be a series of non-canon adventures that explore alternative events in the superhero world, like What If Loki Had Found the Hammer of Thor? Which I'm okay with that, because comic books have been doing that for yeah. 50 years, right? Yeah. That I'm, I'm okay with that, I guess, but um, it just seems like a lot of money to pour into a weird stuff like that. Um, other projects, Disney has greenlit... Um, a spinoff on Monsters, Inc. called Monsters at Work. Okay. Which will bring back original voices for the show. And uh, I do have another article on... Oh, yeah, it's uh, actually right here. <laughs> was that Monsters, Inc. one? Was that like a was that a, a TV show or a movie? That's a movie? Oh, no, the, the Monsters at Work is going to be a TV show. Okay, that Disney sounds Plus. cute. Yeah, it'll pick up six months after the original movie's ending. So unlike the 2013 prequel, Monsters University, it will focus on how the world of monsters is adapting to using laughter as a power source instead of screams. Okay. Oh, Both yeah. John Goodman and Billy Crystal return to the cast as furry blue monster James P. Sullivan and one-eyed green orb Mike Wazowski, respectively. They're joined by a new character, an aspiring jokester named Tyler Tuskman, which he'll probably have a tusk. Let's just be honest about it. Let's just okay. call it what it is. Okay. It will yeah. be voiced by Ben Fieldman. Other characters returning, including Mike's girlfriend, the Lonely Yeti, and Roz. And introducing Roz's twin sister, Rose. So it's R O Z and R O Z E. Roz is the one that always hits on you. Yeah. Okay. The slug lady. Yeah. Hey, yeah. you with the glasses. Every time. Yeah. So, I don't know, that's kind of what everybody knows about right now. Um, oh, actually, there's a lot more. There's also Diary of a Female President, a 10-episode, half-hour, single-camera comedy from Yana Piena about the journey of a 12-year-old girl who will eventually become president. Another project is High School Musical, The Musical, which Bro. I read that, and it's, it's from, uh, what's her name, your girlfriend? 
Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell, I think she's producing, where she brings back the cast of High School oh, Musical yeah. and makes them do the dance sequence from High School Musical, and I guess there's a lot of drama involved, which uh, it's okay. That's a that's an idea. So she that, put out a casting call on Instagram, and I I forwarded it to my I, like we have a high school Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, no one responded. <laughs> <laughs> All you see is so and so left the group. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Thanks for killing the vibe in here, Taryn. <laughs> but I was like, this is my chance. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it like it, it, to reprise your high? Do also your high school? If you guys were in a musical, then you could yeah win a concert or something like that. No. So the the concept of the show, from what I understood from her casting call thing, was like your high school drama class comes back together and does a, a, a musical number that like you used yeah, to do. I read that, but then reading about her, her project, it's, it sounds completely different. Hmm. Maybe it didn't work out. Yeah, maybe it didn't. Um, yeah, maybe it didn't because it says series reimagining of the Disney Channel movie franchise. Hmm. I don't know. Apparently, there's look, there's not a whole lot out there, apparently. Um, it just doesn't, I don't know, man, shop class? Which is about students who build cool things. So this is basically the new Disney Channel. Like, yeah, this is like be like, our chef, a Disney themed cooking show, which invites uh, families, I think, to imagine a dish that will be served at Disney World. I, I don't know, man. Oh, wow. It doesn't. Yeah, this it, is weird. I mean, there's some stuff where it's uh, cinema relics, iconic art of the movies, which is about movie props and costumes. That's okay, cool. Sure, but they have like Tron, and they list another classic movie, and then it's. Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> like, okay, enough. Um, there's also another one about a Disney's Imagineering team, which I think that'll be really That's cool. That's the cool. only thing that sounds cool. Well, the one thing that I'm noticing from this list is that they're trying to hit a lot of different audiences. They're hitting the sure. Disney nerds. They're hitting the kids. They're hitting... Uh, there are a lot of audiences. <laughs> I don't know. There's Good other one. audiences as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, no, I agree. They, they're... Definitely casting a wide net with this. Yeah, one. it seems weird. Uh, this will be the last. Let's see. Will this be the last one? No. Let's do two more. Two more stories, and we'll let everybody go. Disney files trademarks for Star Wars alcohol. Oh. Let's hear the names. That's exactly what this is. Uh, according to the United States Patent and Trademark Office website, Lucasfilm has filed trademarks for multiple alcoholic beverages. Here's what they are for beer. And none of the, I don't wonder who's who's brewing them. I'll, you know what? I will be able to find that out, and I will let you guys know because it's very important. All by Golden <laughs> Road or Ballast Point. Oh, God, <laughs> uh, White Wampa Ale, which I imagine will be a wit beer of some sort, yeah. like a Shock Top or a Blue Moon yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Gamorian Ale. I don't even know. What that sounds like, like a disease. Ale? Yeah. A well, pill? right. Because like the Gamorian guards, like the pig nose guards, right in Jedi. Oh yeah. Oh. Um, oh. Where they always had runny noses, but never yeah. really were like uh, getting into their mouths, which is always annoying when you have a. Oh. Which is why the benefit of having a mustache oh. is it doesn't. <clears throat> I seriously just gagged a little bit. Uh, Gold Squadron Lager. Like, okay. I like just. A, I like it. Okay. Yeah, blonde ale yeah. or whatever. I don't know. Uh, Trandoshian ale. Spice Runner Hard Cider. I don't know. I'm just rolling my eyes. And then wines. They have Carillion Red and Doan White. Tonery, a teal-colored bubbly wine from Alderaan. And Imperial Guard. All the names just sound 
boring as hell, yeah. man. It just, I don't know. You couldn't have come up with anything better than Gold Squadron Lager? Are you serious? <laughs> come on. And then finally, if you're single and ready to mingle, there's a website called Plenty of Fish, and it says, the odds are in your favor of finding romance if you say that you love Disney. <laughs> The data from the popular online dating site Plenty of Fish reveals that singles who have expressed an interest in Disney are 3.6 times more likely to leave the app in a relationship compared to singles who more generally list interests in movies and music. That was certainly true for F Disney fan Abby Schiller. After listing Disney as a hobby in her POF user profile, she eventually met her Prince Charming Miguel Morbello, who contacted her because of their mutual love of Disney. They had their first date at Walt Disney World, and two years later, he proposed to Abby in front of Cinderella's castle. Who does that? How trite. <laughs> um, now, married... Anyway, so they have a photo of um, of these people. I, I wish I could show it to you. Well, maybe I can't. I'll do it later. Yeah, but it's like, you. he's proposing to her, and first of all, it's not in front of Cinderella's castle. It's literally in the middle of Main Street. But that's fine. I'm not going to judge <laughs> whoever wrote this for USA Today, who clearly can't look from a photograph to determine <laughs> like just because the castle's back there in the distance doesn't mean they're in front of the castle they, te they technically are in front of it I mean I or guess or they're behind it damn uh, got her got him but the <laughs> the sea of people here I'll just let me if the computer cuts out it cuts out look at this it literally uh, that's the worst it's yeah. a lake of people that's not right first of all homie's like eight foot ten and so when he's on <laughs> one knee his his back leg is extending four feet behind him and people are like right. stepping over him <laughs> and there's so many people imagine that's like at your wedding strollers he's like a mile lady, away from the castle that lady has a wedgie like, yeah. that's not the thing people sign at your wedding no it's so good dude <laughs> you did a much better job I did right <laughs> I'm definitely not shy but I was a busy single mom so bar hopping and lots of nights out wasn't an option, nor was it wanted, <clears throat> Abby hastily added. I couldn't have picked someone I'm more compatible with, though. Data shows that women interested in Disney are 25% more likely to receive messages compared to females who list more common interests. 11% of men who are into Disney saw a similar result. We have so much in common. I like Disney. He likes Disney. We have so much in common. <laughs> Oh, That's man. just a weird statistic to come up with. Like sure. somebody spent time finding this out. That's weird. I think that that's one of the things where, like, look, everybody thinks I'm a freak because of how much I like Disney. You like Disney. We're stuck together. But very the reality much, yeah. is that, like, there are very few people who like hate Disney. Right, but liking Disney is different. Liking Disney is fine, but putting it on your dating profile, That's I think, automatically says, I've given up. <laughs> I've given up all hope of finding a normal person, so uh, your brain worms uh, should intermingle with mine. Yes. <laughs> brain because worms. normally, I think, like when you're younger, I think that's something you kind of hide. Because everyone looks at it like, you know, well, Disney's for, for babies. I'm not a baby anymore. I'm right. 23. Or it's like too obvious, so it's not cool. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I maybe I don't know Taryn let's talk about that is that <laughs> how, what you would think yeah okay got it uh, real quick uh, so I was on the Lisa Valentine Clark show yeah did, I did the interview uh, on uh, BYU radio yeah. XM Sirius 143 or whatever 
It was fun. It was a good time. That's I was good. tired, man. I did a, an Instagram story of like, you know, kind of <laughs> leading up to it and then after. I thought it went pretty well. Um, I messed up, you know, a couple things, but it's fine. It was 5.30 in the morning for me. Mm-hmm. You did great. I was very tired. I listened to the whole thing. I, th- I thought you did really well. Well, thanks. You have to say that. So I don't. we'll put the link up and you guys can check it out if you want. I mean, you know, it's just me talking. But uh, we talked about Star Wars Land a little bit and all that kind of stuff. And then I got an email from the producer and uh, they're like, hey, thanks so much for coming on. It was really great. And I thought I did terribly, of course. And um, they're like, uh, we'll contact you if you want to come back on uh, after you visit Star Wars Land and you can tell us all about it. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen for a long... Because they, yeah. they just assumed I was going to be there like on opening day or whatever. Right, and right. I'm like, I, I didn't want to sit there and go, I don't even go in the summertime when it's not something cool. Like right. there's no... You yeah. know what I mean? There's no way I'm going to do that. Um but then I started thinking, maybe we should go. Maybe we should go, and, and because it's content for the show, we, that's something we should actively be pursuing, right? So I look online <laughs> for uh, a hotel room a week after Star Wars opens, right? $612 to stay at the Disneyland Hotel. Reasonable. It, it, there's no way I can do that. There's literally no way. I can't do that. Like We can't. We just, it, it, it's impossible. So crazy. I would love to. Be, I would love to be able to go, um, even for one night. But we can't. We just pay taxes. Like we it's can't crazy. do that. There's. It's impossible. So I apologize. Uh, Taryn and I won't personally be bringing you content from Star Wars Land, but uh, we do have a friend who's going. So maybe he'll take some photos, and who knows? Maybe we can get, you know, some some photos from some other folks. If you're going, let me know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's it. Let's get out of here, huh? Yeah, I right. got a drink to make. Yeah, you do. We got to do a whole other show. Tons of news on the secret show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for Getaway. Uh, thank you for. Thanks to GetawayToday.com for sponsoring today's episode. Whether you're traveling to Disneyland, Disney World, or beyond, head over to GetawayToday.com slash ears up. And do not, absolutely do not forget to ask for the 21st Amendment beers wherever you find good craft beer like DCA. Speaking of Disneyland, like we were doing the whole time. Uh, anyone listening live, we're going to be back. Well, if you're Patreon supporters, we're going to be back in, yeah, I don't know, 15 minutes probably after Taryn makes a drink. We're going to do the secret show. We're going to hang out. It's going to be a good time. Join us there. Everybody else, we'll see you in the parks, huh?